Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, friends, and welcome to the Papaya Podcast. I'm your hostess, trying her mostest, Sarah Nicole, and each week I'm going to be dishing out some sweetness mixed in with some seeds of wisdom or something like that. So get ready to get inspired, get candid, get real, because we are all in this digital space together. everyone. I'm super excited because today I am speaking with somebody that I've spoken with before, but on a totally different platform because we actually sat on stage together and spoke together and had quite a magical time after that. And people have been asking for us to do something together again. (laughs) We've been trying to get this together again (laughs) and we are here and we are doing it. So please welcome Rhea Carey, aka Coach Carey. We've did it. We finally did did it. it. You guys have heard me talk about her before. I've mentioned Coach Carey many times because some of her words have been so wise in my own journey that I probably, I (laughs) told her when she got here and I was like, I'm really glad you're here because all the times I've misquoted you, it's going to be really good that you now get to like professionally do it. And I don't have to be like, well, I have, I've regurgitated versions of like professionalism. Like, gosh, I'm like the worst for that. Hey, I'm just happy that it resonated. So however you want to play it back, I'm happy. I'm excited. Well, and you, and you always give credit. So I have friends that are like, hey, so I was listening to this podcast and they mentioned you. And I was like, oh my God, my friends, Papaya is talking about my friend. All like, the time. Cool. I, t- I talk about it all the time. It's just, you're just so wise and like you give tangible nuggets. But anyways, 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 tell yeah. us who you are. Tell us what you do. Yeah. Tell us how you got there. Take it away. Totally. Because I'm like, we only have half an hour. We could literally talk for three days. So. I know. We're, we've literally been, we were supposed to start like half an hour ago and we've just been sitting here <laughs> chatting and we're like, oh, right. And I was like, here's your microphone. You're like, oh, right. <laughs> right. That's this. what we came here to do. Wait, this is it. This is why we're never True. capable but of it's doing been a so podcast. Long, so we needed it's to catch up. We needed a minute. It's okay. Yeah. So most people know me as Coach Carrie. My first name is Rhea and I'm a life coach and motivational speaker. And my story really, I always like to say, started when I was in grade four. Mm -hmm. And I truly believe that this was the day that changed the trajectory of my entire life. And I'd been bullied before and I'd also become the bully because I thought, you know, let me hurt them before they hurt me. Yes, yes. I'm going to be the bully and then I won't get bullied, which is, you know, what a lot of kids probably think at that time. You don't have a lot of tools and resources available to you. Right. That didn't work so well. Didn't make a lot of friends and it hurt me and wasn't a lot of fun at all. So then when I changed schools in grade four, I was like, I got to do something different. Mm. I didn't know what. And I walked into the classroom and I'm the only new kid. I'm the only fat kid. I'm the only black kid. And I remember just feeling like that pit in your stomach, you Mm. know, and you're like, ugh. 
everyone's talking about me, making fun of me, pointing at me, laughing. And I made it through the attendance and just go to the washroom and bawl my eyes out. Like, oh, sobbing. yeah. And you know, I've, even, cry. I've heard the story before, but it's still just like, right. Ugh. And you're just like, no tears and it's everything because I just felt so out of place yeah and I felt like I don't you know at least when you have one new person with you or something you feel a little bit better but there was just nothing and somehow some way I remember wiping my tears away and like looking at the mirror and saying to myself and I'll always say this because I don't know how in grade four I even thought of this but I was like you've done this before you'll do this again you have friends and in that moment I was like I got this, you know, like I had friends from soccer and basketball, my neighborhood, my other schools. This wasn't the end all be all. And I'm only eight years old. Yeah. So on my way back to the classroom, I figure, okay, I'm not going to call my mom and dad. I can figure this out on my own. And as I'm walking, something hit me. And it was like, just do something different. And now I can call it taking the elephant out of the room. Mm. But in grade four, obviously I didn't know what that meant, but I just knew that maybe if I tell them who I am, yeah, they'll see me for me. Yes. And so I went to the classroom and I remember going around the room and shaking everybody's hand and saying, hi, I'm Rhea. What's your name? What do you do? Or what do you love to do? What's yeah. your favorite sport? Yeah. Something. And I remembered to make sure I remembered the name and remembered what it is they love to do. Amazing. And that it's was… not easy because your adrenaline easy. must have been like yeah. going crazy. Sweaty palms, yeah. probably trembling, right? <laughs> and then at recess, it was like, oh, hey, Veronica or hey, Chris. It's like, boom, I started to implement it right away. And that took away their preconceived notions and wanting to be mean to me. And I took that with me everywhere I went. Mm. So from grade four to grade mm. 10, I switched schools like four more times. Yeah. It was also building my resiliency. Yes. Because I just was so used to being plopped into a new room, being the only new kid. And instead of being like, oh my God, what am I going to do? I'm freaking out. I was like, oh yeah, I've done this before. What I'm going to do yeah. is the same thing I've been doing because it seems to work really well. Yeah. And as an adult, I still do it. So anyone who's ever met me or brought me into a new space and they're like, oh, have you met Raya? They're like, oh yeah, I already met her. And I'm like, yeah, because I don't wait. Yes. Rather than being the elephant in the room. And it's like, everyone's always like, ooh, that awkward energy when we're in the same space, but we've never met. Yeah, I'm totally, I'm that person all the time. It's okay. (laughs) We're going to, we're going to work on that. We're going to work on that. better. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But it's like, why not? Because they're thinking the exact same thing. I literally have an event this afternoon. I've already like found people and I messaged my one friend and I was like, Andrew, like, I don't know anybody else going. You have to be my friend. (laughs) (laughs) You need to be my friend. Also, what are you wearing? Because I need to know what I need to wear. (laughs) Yeah, it is true. Going to an event just by yourself is definitely hard. For me. I'm going to walk around the room. I'm going to ask her. I go for one hour. I, I'm really? literally, that's it because oh, I wow. won't push it past my comfort level. Oh, I'm proud of you. That's right? so great. So I come in hot, boom, shaking everybody's hand, getting every, cracking jokes, making everybody laugh, smile. And then yes. I'm like, oh, I'm done. Okay. But then everyone remembers me. Yeah. I got a couple of pics for the gram. Yeah. Made a couple of good new contacts. Yeah. And everybody left being like, oh, Rhea's great. Yeah. 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 And I got to leave before I got awkward or anxious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's honestly, I love that. Are you an right? amnivert? Were you yeah. kind of both? Yeah. Okay. More so as I got older. When okay. I was younger, hard extrovert. Okay. But now because I give so much as part of my job, my career, I have to refuel. Yeah. And for me to refuel my energy, I need to not absorb anyone else's. Yeah. Right? So the only people are like, you talk so much. How come you're like not… Or anytime I'm silent, people are like, what's wrong? Oh, that's me at the end I, of the, every I'm single like, day. I'm actually totally good. I'm just refueling my energy. Yeah. Compressing. Mm-hmm. So like, boop, 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 yeah. Right? I have to refuel. Yeah. Yeah. And usually what refuels for me is when we talk about tools. Yes. Okay. This is like my big, <laughs> ugh. So you started young, obviously, this development of, you know, back in grade four, you started developing these tools. Exactly, yeah. But you didn't recognize that that's what they were yet. Exactly. This is what I reference the most is the toolbox thing. Yes. So take it away, the thing that I've misquoted a gajillion times. <laughs> 
<laughs> at least you've quoted. I've tried. I'll give you that. I've tried. And I love you for it. Because <laughs> a lot of people have been like, oh my God, I heard about the tools on uh, the podcast. And I was like, oh my God, amazing. Yeah. Can't wait for us to finally be able to do it together. Yes. <laughs> With our hectic schedules. It's like passing ships in the it night. It really, yeah, it really has totally. been. Which super awesome though, because yeah. I love seeing how successful you are. Yeah. Also, when Millie. I know. I know. I know, I don't know when this I'm will dancing. Come out, no one can like, see literally, it. Literally, it just happened yesterday. So I know. it's just been like I was also refreshing. Honestly, so many were. It felt like New Year's. It was so exciting. It was New Year's. It, oh yeah. <laughs> Better it was than New Year's, Year's for us. Yeah. But tell us about the toolbox. Mm-hmm. So the toolbox is something that after kind of reflecting and realizing how was I able to do this? Yes. Because that was the number one question when I was really starting to get into public speaking and my coaching practice was doing really mm-hmm. well. And I was like, why? what is it? What have I been able to do? What is it that other people have learned how to do yet? And I was self-taught. So I had to really break it down and figure it out. And what I realized is that we all have tools. Mm. We all have things that have helped us overcome and persevere. Mm-hmm. But we don't necessarily realize or recognize their tools. So then they kind of go away or go yes. on the back burner. Yes. But if we actually just pick them up and I tell people, you know, it's probably under your bed or on the chair or left in your old apartment, grab them, mm. put them in the toolbox so that they're with you everywhere you go. And I always say that tools can help you be at your best. Yes. And so that's why they're there. But the key is that if you put them in their toolbox, they're readily accessible and available so that whenever you have like a bad day or a sad day, you're feeling like you're in a funk, rather than freaking out and being like, oh my God, I'm having a really shitty day and I'm going to might turn to my vices because mm. humans, our default is to turn to our vices. Yes. You'll hit your toolbox first and then be like, oh, you know what? I don't need the vice. Yeah. You taught me a lot about that one time because you said a lot of times we have a tendency to numb out and numbing out is so common for so many people. Mm-hmm. It looks very, very different. Mm-hmm. But you had said something about how you unpack your day mm-hmm. before just like where a lot of people come home and they turn on Netflix or they pour themselves a drink or they do all of these different yeah. things. Instead, you actually talked about how you unpack the day. Mm-hmm. So you're not just numbing out all those things. I think that's the hardest part when we talk about the whole toolbox thing is a lot of people will go, how do I figure out what my toolbox is? Yeah, exactly. And that I think is always the first place to start and yeah. kind of the number one question because if you don't know it, that's okay because it's there. Yeah. But maybe let's take some time to figure it out. And that's why I always say number one is self-care, mm. self-love, figuring out what that is because yes. then I think from there you can grow and expand and that kind of feels like opening Pandora's box. Mm. And I always say start with four questions. Yeah. And I always encourage people to do this for maybe two weeks, a couple yeah. nights a week, and then reflect. And the questions are always going to be what worked well for me today, what didn't work well for me today, what fueled me and what drained me. Okay. So that way you can be like, oh, you know what? When I did this today, I feel good. Mm. Okay, so then maybe next week, if it's within your control, add that to your week yes. next week. Yes, yeah, yeah. Right? Or every time I hang out with this person, I feel amazing and charged and inspired and empowered. <gasps> hang out with that person more. Yes. Right? Can and people then, be your toolbox? Absolutely. Okay. Obviously within reason. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> but I think energy and vibe yes. and, you know, you are like the five people you spend the most time with to an mm. extent. If you're around people who are not motivated and aren't doing things that align with you or inspire you or encourage you, you're going to have a harder time moving out of that. But if you're around people sense. who are like fired up, let's work. How can I support you? Let's go. You're going to be more fired up. And I feel too, because this is where we come into the whole extrovert introvert conversation so much is I had a really hard time figuring out which one I was because I did have those experiences of sometimes I would be around somebody and I'd feel so energized. I can't Mm -hmm. fall asleep that Mm -hmm. night on a high from hanging out with that person. Then there'd be other rooms that I would come into and I would come home. There was a dinner I went to once and filled with a room full of women that I should have I expected to, I think, feel that high from, but instead I came home and bawled my eyes out and I couldn't place it. But essentially what was happening was 
I was actually being drained mm-hmm. by, and not that they're bad in character, nothing like that, but for whatever reason, their energy was draining mine. Mm-hmm. So it was like, I was giving so much of myself and I was actually losing out mm-hmm. on that where other people just felt like, even if we were having a bad day for whatever reason, it f- could still yeah. feel like good energy. So it made it really unidentifiable whether or not I was introvert or extrovert because it's actually who I was spending my time with. Exactly. And which plays a huge factor, which is why I don't necessarily like putting labels on anything. For even sure. me as a human, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've constantly never really wanted to put labels on things, but you don't realize how draining certain situations can be. And that's why Fair. I put, gave myself the one hour rule. Mm. Unless I'm 100% fired up, I'm not going to stay in that space. Yeah. And I'll leave before I potentially start to be drained rather than leaving when I'm already drained because then it's already done. It's quote, quote, damage. And how do we get past the guilt of that? That guilt of you want to leave, you're ready to go. Mm -hmm. I remember my therapist once telling me this story about how she was at a funeral or a wake with her husband and she was like, and I was done. So I went to the car. I didn't demand he to be done, but Mm -hmm. I was done. So Mm -hmm. I went to the car because I was done at capacity. And all I could think about, and I've thought about it for years because she told me about that so long ago is that sounds really great in theory, but I don't know how to put that into action because Mm -hmm. I have such people pleaser tendencies Mm -hmm. that I don't know how to do it without feeling like I'm disappointing people. Mm -hmm. Cause I'll think about it. Like there was a, for instance, to give an example, Mm -hmm. I was at a speaking gig about a month or so ago and I knew that afterwards, normally I like to stay and talk with everybody. It takes a couple hours to do it, but it feels really important to me to do so. However, on this particular day, I had a flight first thing in the morning and I knew I couldn't do that. I knew that I had to leave and I was going to miss out on the opportunity. Mm-hmm. And I still play it in my mind if I disappointed people. Mm-hmm. How do we balance that feeling or that expectations that others have on us versus what we need? Mm-hmm. I think that's a big one about mindset and mm-hmm. how you speak to yourself. You know, I'm really big on language, but same for me. Yeah. You know, after a speaking gig when everyone's fired up and they want yeah, to talk yeah, to yeah. you, everyone wants a little bit of your energy, but it's like, I just gave— 150% on stage. So what yeah. energy I have left to engage with every single person that now wants more is limited. Mm. So I started to shift my mindset around it that specifically in like social encounters, mm-hmm. I'm now like, you know what? At least I showed up. Yeah. And no one is ever mad at the person who showed up and stayed for a little rather than the person who didn't show up at all. True, true, So true. I use that. And if someone ever tries to guilt trip me, then I'm like, but I showed up and I showed up because that means how much I love you. Mm -hmm. Or depending on how that person responds, I'm like, okay, maybe a boundary between me and this person. Maybe this person doesn't see the effort that I'm wanting to put into this relationship because I care. Right. I don't have all the time in the world. None of us do. Yeah. But if I make time and I made it a priority, that is what I lead with. And then in regards to like events, I kind of communicate that with everyone. Okay. Like I'm here for an hour. Yeah. So that way we're on the same page and it's like, listen, I've been working my butt off to be of service, to give you guys or give everyone the best possible performance or talk or speech on stage so I can Mm -hmm. give it my all. Mm -hmm. So naturally, anybody would be drained. So I'm happy to chat with everybody. And if I can't make it to all of you, send me an email, shoot me a message, and I will do my best to get back to everybody. I love that. And obviously within reason. Yeah. But I think for the most part, people are like, oh, they understand. So that way when I have to escape or it's like, mm, okay. They're very supportive. Exactly. Rather yeah. than being like, oh Flips my God, script. I can't believe she just left and didn't talk to anybody. It's like, no, I communicated. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So setting <laughs> the tone. Point. Setting the tone, communication. I mean, yeah. The pillars of relationship. Totally. Which, exactly. Pillars for any relationship. Boundaries yeah. and communication yeah. are key. I know we don't talk about boundaries enough, but if you go and look at your Instagram profile, one of the Mm -hmm. things it says on there is that you're a three-time life coach. And we Mm -hmm. hear this word life coach, coach is thrown around Mm -hmm. so much these days. Mm -hmm. And what is it life coach? 
I've had this conversation in different ways on the podcast before, but what is a life coach? Like, what is it that you actually do? Great question. Yes, I definitely think there's a part of the coach that is now being spread around a little bit more than I personally think it needs to be. Right. Because, you know, if you were saying that you were a lawyer and you're not qualified, you would go to jail. But someone can now say they're a coach and it's not regulated as much and they could just fly by the seat of their pants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for me and and the learnings and all the schooling that I've done, coaching is really about sort of bridging the gap between therapy and psychiatry. Okay. So if I had an example over here, over here on the left would be therapy. Mm -hmm. Therapy is amazing because it's really about healing. You can't grow unless you heal. Yes. So that's why after you've healed, sometimes some people can feel like, ooh, maybe not therapy anymore. I need something Mm -hmm. a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But therapy is really great. You can literally can't get to step C unless you do step A. Yes. Right. And then over here on the far right is psychology. So like psychiatrists or psychotherapists. Psychotherapists. Yeah. And they're more like cognitively. How does the brain work? What are your patterns? And then how do we reconfigure those patterns? Yes. Also very great work. Yes. Takes a lot of time to figure that out. A lot Mm -hmm. of tests, Mm -hmm. um, a lot of cool stuff that they do. Also great. And so life coaching is kind of in the middle where I don't necessarily need to know your past and I don't necessarily need to know cognitively everything. Yes. But what I need to know is where you are now and where you want to go. And my job is to ask the right questions to help you figure it out on your own. That's why it's called a coach. Yeah. Just like in a training or a basketball coach, you're like, okay, I know that you have 10% more to give, but because your brain is going to tell you no, you're going to stop. But I'm here to be like, you got this. Yes. Similar to that. So I never, coaches don't give advice. And I think that's the number one misconception. I don't give advice unless actually someone wants to specifically ask me about the things that pertain to my life, i.e. weight loss, confidence. Yes. Yes. No problem. Yes. But obviously I don't know everything. I'm mm-hmm. not, right? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. very good at what I do, but I don't yeah. know everything. Yeah. Um, so I'll give you an example. Let's say someone came to me and they said, okay, I want to make changes in my career. Okay. okay. Amazing. What I'm hearing you say is that you want more abundance or growth in your career. So you want to make sure that you hear them correctly. Yes. Pretty simple in terms of communication and listening. A lot of people don't active listen. Yeah, so I know. People, I've like literally, the podcast has pushed me to learn active listening. Right? And you don't realize what a skill it is. It's a soft skill. It or is. maybe even a medium skill. Like, yeah. It's real. It's real. Most people are thinking about what they're going to say. Yes. Yes. So that's why when people come to a session of any kind, whether it's therapy, psychiatry, or life coaching, it's just nice to have someone fully focused on you. Mm-hmm. And then I would say, okay, what's one thing that you've done in like the last week or so to help you get towards these changes in your career? And nine out of 10 times, that person's going to sit there for a minute and be like, uh, nothing. Okay, no yeah, problem. No problem. But what is something you could do in the next week? Yeah. And then they start thinking and the mind starts working rather than being like, I can't. The brain starts to think, how? Mm. And then maybe within a minute or two, they'll be like, you know what? Maybe I can email my hiring manager. Yes. And then I'm like, boom, perfect. Done. Do that. There's a great first step. It's almost like you help activate things that are already there that are maybe sitting dormant and now you're putting them in activation. So you're just kind of activating what already is there. You're not elevating them on a different level. You're just pushing them in the, like doing exactly what they want to do. Exactly. But help them communicate, listen, Mm -hmm. almost like regurgitating it back to them in a way that makes sense. Exactly. So we ask a lot of questions, help them tap into what they already know and want for themselves and then provide also obviously some tools and some resources. So how did you know that you were going to do this? Like why life coaching? That's a great question. I majored in psychology in university. I've always really been fascinated about understanding why people do the things they do. Mm, Ever since I was a kid, I don't know why I just 
love thinking about that and figuring it out. Mm. But then I'm like, okay, when I didn't want to be a psychiatrist. Yeah. And I just, it just felt very black and white and felt very structured. And yeah. I'm, for anyone who knows me really well, I'm like, I'm yeah. over here in the gray area. <laughs> I'll do it my way. You know, I yeah, bring my flavor to everything I do. Yeah, like yeah, anything, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always make it me. And psychiatry, I felt like I couldn't do that. Yeah. It's very like, it has to be like this, has to be like mm-hmm. that, which is totally fair. Yeah. I understand that. But that's very by the book. Very by the book. It's very different. Very by the book. And then I was like, okay, cool, I guess. I love that. But that part of it doesn't resonate for me. Yeah. And then I did events for 10 years, which was great. And I got to meet a lot of amazing people, have a lot of fun, do a lot of dancing. Events is in you like were throwing, throwing parties. You threw parties. Okay. Yeah. Which was that's a shift. Right. But if you think about it, super similar. Yeah. I, was I guess motivating everybody. And I was True. like, quote, quote, the white knight. I wasn't doing drugs. I wasn't backstabbing people. I wasn't screwing people over. And in that industry, kind of rare. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I just collected people wanted to hang out with me for good vibes. Yeah. 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 So I was the only person that would do it on their own. Everyone else had a huge company. And they were like, how is Rhea bringing 100 people to the party by herself versus the promotion company that's bringing 40? Right. Wow. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. Wow. I've seen the people you surround yourself with. You have some like pretty up there friends. Yeah. Like people are really energized by you and really yeah. attracted to the energy you bring and also the calmness to it all. Mm-hmm. But I have to say that the thing that I love the most about you is when you talk on confidence because confidence feels like the most external thing in the world <laughs> and people want it. They want to yeah. buy it. I had this conversation with Roxy last night. We were sitting there and we were like, I love you know, Roxy. We could, Roxy's great. But we're like, we could sell the clothes we're wearing, sell the makeup we're wearing. We could talk about our hair. We could talk about our shoes. We could talk about all that, but nobody can buy confidence. No. It's not something you buy. And really all of that external stuff doesn't matter. Yep. And it's really weird because we made it such an external thing. But I know you're so good at this. This is like Mm -hmm. why people bring you in to speak so much and why Mm -hmm. you're really good at what you do, especially talking to, I think where your value comes in so much into play is that for a lot of women, they work on their own. Entrepreneurship amongst women is so, so high. And it is really, it's tough on the self-esteem. Imposter syndrome is huge. It's tough when you are almost used to being in a society where you have external validation and now you have to do that for yourself. You have Mm -hmm. to almost Mm self-motivate to work every day, to go after things, even when it's not there yet. Let's talk about confidence. What does it mean for you? What are your greatest tips and tools when it comes to living our most confident lives? Yeah, I think that's kind of how this all started because when... I figured out that, oh, and that's when I discovered coaching after figuring out, you know, I didn't yeah, want to do yeah, all yeah. that. I was like, oh, I heard about coaching. And I was like, this kind of sounds more like me. I can still help people, but still be me. Right. And then right. boom, I looked into it. I did a bunch of research. I called all the schools and I was like, oh my, this is my purpose. Yes, yes. And then I just literally didn't look back and was full throttle. Mm, there was mm, no, mm. I didn't know where I would be or where I would go. There was no plan B either. Yeah. It was just keep it moving. And it kind of was like a North Star. How long has it been? Five years now. Wow. Yeah. You were one of the first people I ever heard. Of. I didn't know what a life coach was until cool. I literally found you. I love that. Yeah. Everything happens for a reason, right? Totally. And I think that when I first started coaching, it was like, this is really what I started to figure out my confidence talk. Mm. So I was like, why do people come to me? What is it about me? Because in coaching school, they really like figure out your niche, figure out your niche. And of course, me being in the gray, I was like, I don't have one. I yeah. just want to help everybody, <laughs> you know? And then eventually I was like, and I didn't have a niche for a very long yeah. time. I just did life coach, like, yeah. everything, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then slowly but surely, I was like, get back to the drawing board. All of your clients, there's got to be an underlining tone. 
Yeah. And I sat there for like, I remember a couple of days and I just was like, oh my God, it's confidence. Yeah. Because everyone coming to me and be like, how are you so confident? How were you able to do that? Even when I was 600 pounds, even when I was promoting, even when the cards were stacked against me, mm. I was still true to myself and still confident. I was still walk into a room and be able to do whatever it is that I needed to and be able to bring good energy as yes. well. Yes. So for me, confidence is really about taking care of yourself. And yeah. I think, especially for women, we have this thing where putting yourself first is deemed selfish. Mm -hmm. And we have a hard time doing that. We're kind of, mm -hmm. I think, innately nurturers. Yeah. Myself included. And what I realized when I started to put myself first in a non-selfish way, because I think everything in balance. I think that you can be balanced and give to others and you can be balanced and give to yourself. Yeah. But if you can't, and I always say you pour from the overflow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People think that we pour from half full or mm -hmm, full. And I'm like, mm -hmm. no, it's actually the overflow. Yeah. So then when I started to figure that out, I was like, I need to consistently be at the overflow. And that's when I started to really retreat when I needed to. And that's when I implemented the one hour rule and really just focusing on noticing myself. So that's why I use the term unpack. Because it's like, we constantly talk about things and figure things out. But when do we really take some time to look at it and reflect consciously? Yes. And have the attention. It's like, even if you're the praying type, it's the prayer versus praise. We pray for things, pray for things, pray for things. We don't take a moment of gratitude for the things that actually turned around right. and got like the gratitude part is so important. And it does take that unpacking. Mm -hmm. It does take that reflectiveness. And even speaking for the things that are really hard, like maybe it's not a great thing. Maybe it's not something you're going to be thankful for. Yeah. It's still worth unpacking. Cause like, as my therapist used to always say to me, trauma follows you. You don't just get to like, it's a little chill with it on the side, everywhere you go. So you have to, like have it to. literally have to, or it has to flow through you. And I mm -hmm. talk a lot about the emotional gate that I, I have to like envision like an, an emotional gate in the middle of my body. And that's why when I feel emotion. Oftentimes I think for women too, we're pressured to stop, to stop mm -hmm. feeling, to stop having emotion and to hold it. Mm -hmm. So we do that. We hold it. And what happens is it builds at the gates and mm -hmm. then it stacks up and it explodes through the gate. Yes. Where what happens if we actually have feelings and we allow them to flow through us? It's mm -hmm. a totally different experience. Totally different. But that's why I, I loved when you, when I actually met you, was at a time that was really, truly coming retreat, into- right? Yeah, yes, the retreat. Yes. It's like three years ago. So good. Was at the time that I was really coming to the shift in my life and mm -hmm. needing confidence in new ways and needing to learn self-awareness mm -hmm. and that unpacking. Yeah, wow. That's amazing. Yeah. So I'm really like, wow, everything happens for a reason because what are the totally. odds that we were both on that retreat and I know. spent a weekend together? We really did. probably one of the best weekends ever. It was like adult camping. I don't. It's so bizarre because it was like three years ago and yet all of us are still connected still, in some way or yeah. the other. It's really, really remarkable. It really is. But when we talk about that unpacking, how does that help us in our confidence? Yeah. So when you're able to unpack, that's when you're able to reflect and like look at yourself objectively mm. rather than being in it. Yes. You're allowed to be like, oh, take a step back. Yeah. And that's when you disassociate from the problem and you're able to get yourself to a place of looking at it from solutions. I think I talked about this with you before. My dad would always say to me, come to me with solutions, not problems. And I'd mm. be like, as a kid, I'd be like, this doesn't make any sense. There's a problem. Uh. <laughs> but now as an adult, I'm like, this is my mantra. Yeah. Because I can't change the problem in the problem mindset. Yep. But if I take a step back and go, okay, this is how we can do it. Mm -hmm. Way more focused. For example, if you're running late to a meeting, you can get stressed out, mm -hmm. feel anxious, feel like you let someone down and you show up and then that's how you are at the meeting. Yeah. Or, and that's the problem. Yeah, you're running that's behind. the problem. Or you could have a solution Story mindset and text them and be like, hey, I totally apologize. I'm running a bit late. If it works for you, I'll be there in 10 minutes or we can reschedule or we can just do half hour. Yeah. And then you give that person the choice. Yeah. And nine out of 10 times, that person's going to be like, no problem. Right. Or you know right. what, that person might they go. They just feel respected in exactly. that moment. Exactly. And yeah. then you get to show up at the meeting as you would have intended. 
So, Back to that communication, right? You're so right though. I did that the other day. I was running late. I always run late. I always think that I'm going to be on time and I never am. <laughs> Guelph problems. Oh, Guelph problems. <laughs> but I was going to the dentist with my kids. And to be fair, the dentist appointment was at 10, 15. And I couldn't even lie and be like, we slept in. It was 10, 15. We hadn't yeah. slept in. We were just thinking we had the whole morning and we didn't. <laughs> and I was feeling that. And I started like driving and I was driving like awfully fast. So I just like Siri called the dentist's office and I was like, hey, just a heads up, we're on our way. I know my appointment's in five minutes, but we ran a little bit late and we will be there really shortly. And she was like, thanks so much for calling. I drove at a completely normal pace for the rest of the ride. I was no longer rushed and feeling like, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, are they going to charge me? Are they going to this or that? I felt so much better. So it's so funny that you just said that because I literally just tried that for the first time and it really did alleviate my anxiety. Right, and that's what I'm talking about. And then also gave them the power, Mm -hmm. right? So instead of us removing the power from people, what you think hinders communication and relationships and always, you gave her the choice. So she could have said, you know what? Because we have a back-to-back, we're going to have to reschedule. And because you called, she probably wouldn't have charged you. Right, right, and then, right. And then it would, everyone still would have been good, but it worked out really well. And she was just grateful that you had called. Yeah, right? that's so, so true. I think unpacking is how we can figure these things out and get to that place. Yeah, and, and really build upon the things that obviously we would step into a little bit more confidently. Exactly. And I think in general, just trusting yourself Mm. and having discipline are two of the biggest forms of self-love, which then translates into confidence. When you say you're going to do something and you do it, we always feel amazing. Yeah, it's true. But we always feel a little bit off when we don't exactly do what we said we were going to do for ourselves. Oh, right. So true. And then you don't trust yourself. You have to show up for yourself. That's right. And then that causes indecisiveness and all these other things. Oh my gosh. That's so true. Even down to the simplest things. Like I know it's dumb, but like I've been doing this thing lately where I give myself gold stars. Mm -hmm. Not dumb at all. Well, it's still like, it can be a little silly, but I said to my husband the other day and I was like, I filled up the gas. So I gave myself a gold star. And he was like, you filled up the gas and you gave yourself a gold star. And I was like, to be honest, it wasn't even on empty. And I filled (laughs) up the gas. Yes. And he was like, so? And I was like, that was a big deal for me. And he was like, really? And I'm like, no, I really hate filling up the gas. I will literally run it to the point that I am now emergency looking for where I can fill up the gas. Which causes more anxiety So and much more anxiety and yeah. stress. But I've been trying to like validate and it all stemmed from, there's this guy I follow on Instagram. He's called Everyday Girl Dad. And he said one day in this post, I'm going to have to talk about this sometime on Instagram, but he mm-hmm. said one day in this post that he made a dentist appointment. And he's like, I know that doesn't seem a big deal, but it's been something I haven't been able to do for 10 years. And I called and I booked a dentist appointment. And I thought if we could be so willing to celebrate the stuff that is every single day so hard. Yes. That's giving exactly ourselves what I was about like, to say. Yeah. Like giving ourselves validation, acclamations for doing the everyday stuff that we kind of, we walk around and everyone's like, oh, look at these awards. Look at this, like all these accomplishments, all this. I'm like, sometimes my greatest accomplishment was getting out of bed. And that's what I say to people. A lot of my clients, I go, you got to celebrate the small victories Yes, as yes, well. yes. Because yes, we're adults, but not that much has changed from us being kids. We yeah. still want to feel rewarded for yes. doing the things that we don't necessarily like to do or the things that we overlook, which then in turn also builds more gratitude. Yeah. And it makes you really excited about, I think for a lot of us, especially as women, because we do kind of work in this realm where like hustle is really glamorized. Mm-hmm. It can be hard at the end of the day where you're like, I don't know what I did today. So it started helping for me, make me feel like even on the days that I had nothing amazing going on mm-hmm. and no external validation for these things. Cause I'm not even kidding. I bought myself a pack of these 
these gold stars <laughs> yes. so that I could start having yes. these moments of like, I went to the bank and I've been avoiding the bank. Yes. I had to do adult things. Yes. And that's super awesome. And I started talking about it and I was like saying to other people and they're like, I went and got a pap smear. I went and yes. did this. I changed the toilet paper roll before. Like I was ready. I went and like bought those things before it ran out. And I was like, oh my gosh, like we're actually accomplishing so yeah. much. And we feel so powerful when we're willing to look at all we're doing and not just seeing all that we're mm-hmm. not. And if it works and it doesn't hurt anybody, what's the problem? Yeah. Right? Even so for true. me in high school when I was failing and they wanted you to- You were failing get, in high school? Oh yeah, too much. I'd hate homework and I'm too oh, chatty. Okay. <laughs> Classic, <laughs> Sounds right? like my life. Right? <laughs> Hated homework, but I know all the every stuff. Every report card ever. Right? So then <laughs> my secretary, who I would talk to every yes. morning, so I was constantly in trouble, constantly in the office. Aww. She was like, what's something that would make you feel good about getting good grades? Or what's something we could do a reward system? And I yeah. was like, hmm, I would love a sticker for every time I get above 70%. And she looked at me and she said, okay. okay. So then my binders then became a colorful array of stickers. Because anytime I got something over a 70, I would come down and show her and she would give me a sticker. And just oh that gosh. small little action of I see you, I recognize that may not be hard for everybody, but this is something that means something to you and I'm going to honor it, fired me up. And then I got most improved student and early acceptance to every university I applied to. This friggin' secretary and you to even know to ask for that. You were, you seemed like such a wise kid for I such know, a right? troublesome Sh- little thing. Totally shocking. <laughs> uh, it was like a double entendre for sure. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, wait, did you not just say that you went to psychology for university and you're like, I was failing in high school. And yeah. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> I literally, like, I just was like, I don't like homework. And I also, I didn't love authority. Oh, yeah. I love authority. You, this is why you're so good at what you do because you can do it for the people who don't right? love doing it in the same way that life gets kind of structured. Right. And because I love to do things my way. Yeah. So they'd be like, do it this way. I'd be like, okay, but what about this way? Yeah. Or I was a kid who always asked, why? Why? Yeah. Why? Yeah. Why? <laughs> you know, imagine me at five years old. Just oh, obnoxious. my gosh. And now, 33, That's I ask why for a living. Yeah. Yeah. Right back to those report cards I used to be told I talk too much. Well, look at me now. Well, look, look at, at me my now. job. <laughs> Literally, I'm just constantly chatting. And I think a really good place for people to start to learn about how building their confidence is the self-care questions. Mm-hmm. I also always encourage people to just like a mantra on the mirror. Oh, I love those. And I encourage women if they have daughters or you know whatever yeah. their kids may be or resonate with or identify as to do something on the mirror so that it's there every time they see it. Yeah. yeah. And then it yeah. shows that parents are doing it as well. Mm. And I think that's a big part. It's like, because if we don't do it with the kids, then it feels like us versus them. And we have to exist knowing that regardless if you're a parent or not, what is the purpose of the human experience if it's not to teach and to share mm-hmm. in it completely? Mm-hmm. And exactly. that next generation is going to mold the generations after that. Exactly. We're history building. We're just in it. So it's really hard to mm-hmm. see. And we're really selfish and we're very fast paced. But a lot of times you have to look at the kids and be like, who are they going to be? And mm-hmm. how do we shape them? Not even about us anymore. It's bigger than it's us. It's really bigger yeah. than us. And those little things like understanding how we speak about ourselves is truly the narratives that they're yes. going to learn, that they're going to adopt. And they pick up and listen to yes. every single thing. And a lot Everything. of people who I coach now, you know, in their 40s and 50s still have moments of not recognizing that their parents had trauma that they hadn't healed from mm-hmm. as well, which then in turn mm-hmm. caused mm-hmm. them some trauma. Yes. And a lot of the time I have to remind people, okay, but have you considered how your parents were raised? Yes. You know, I had one client who identified as male and his father wasn't really affectionate. Didn't yeah. say, I love you a lot. Yeah. And I said, okay, I totally hear you. That can be hard. I understand that. And I said, but tell me, do you know how your father was raised? How was he shown love? 
And he sat there for a minute and instantly started crying. Mm. And he said his dad was in the army. Okay. And if he had food on the table and a roof over his head, that was the amount of love his dad knew how to give. Wow. And I said, so if you know that, mm-hmm. then how on earth could you possibly think that your father was going to magically develop far more love than what he was given? <sighs> Such and a he's good sobbing point. and he goes, wow, I need to go tell my dad I love him. Yeah. And ever since then, they've been working on the relationship, even though there's no, it's better late than never. Yep, yep, So yep. they're able to work on it now. But I found out later that the dad felt so bad for that and didn't know how to talk to his son about it, about how mm. I didn't know. Yep, yep. He didn't know how to know, you yeah. know, which is like so crazy. And, and now it, they say, I love you all the time. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I love that you said that too, because I think it, a lot of times when we talk about our lives and I'll have a lot of interviews with people and, and they really go back to like, well, my mother said this and my mother had that. And it takes a little bit of, a lot of times I'm like, but don't you ever wonder of like, what their mindset was and what mm-hmm. they were raised on and what mm-hmm. their narrative is on the inside that they then place that on you. Like it's exactly. a really, we have to really act in understanding that we now live in such a privileged time where we actually get information from people beyond our parents. Exactly. And that wasn't an opportunity that mm-hmm. our parents had or the generations before them. Like we are an age of information and exactly. we share that with each other. And exactly. our parents didn't have that the same way. Mm-hmm. They didn't have mental health conversations like we do now. It's Not so, at all. It's cool to go to therapy now. Yeah. It wasn't cool for them. So trauma went from generation to generation to generation. Exactly. No wonder. And so I've really had a lot of like, I don't really have a lot of that with like my own family, but I've had a lot of those conversations and you really recognize how deeply rooted pain is and and how easily people place it on what their parents Mm -hmm. did. And we do have a responsibility, I think, as adults to help shape those youth. Absolutely. Also forgive ourselves in the process for getting it wrong because you know what? We were raised into a different thing and we've had different narratives. We've had to unlearn a lot of crap and we're relearning. Relearning everything. We have to rewire. And we have to get out of this pattern of thinking just because someone has now become a parent that that means that now they're perfect. Mm. No. Yes. They're still a regular Human, human who has ups and downs and growing and healing to do. And they yeah. are also nurturing a kid. And I think that that also brings it back to, you don't have to be perfect to inspire or help others. Yes. I'm still learning. I'm still growing. As Anytime I be. do any workshop or talk, I go, this isn't me up here versus you. Yeah. This is us learning and growing and sharing together. Yeah. Every most time. people who are really good at their jobs are people who have had somebody else who have taught them. Mm-hmm. Like they're, it's almost like a I've even heard like some of the best life coaches have life coaches. Therapists have life. The coach needs a coach. Yeah, you have to, everybody has to, it's an economy in which we have to help each other. And there is nobody at the top who's figured it all out. Nobody has. We don't know how our kids are going to turn out. We don't know how we are going to turn out. I always find it laughable when people, not laughable, it's always really shitty at the time it happens. But when somebody calls me out for something that I've done wrong and I'm like, I'm a human being who literally shows up imperfectly. Thank you for helping shape me. But at the same time, I can't sit here and pretend to be perfect. I'm right. literally a learning human just, every single day. I'm literally just human. Sorry. Yeah. My post the other day was no one is exempted from the self-work. No, none. not one person. I don't and care who you are. And we have to be willing to be wrong. We have to be willing yeah. to be wrong. We get really defensive about stuff really easy. Like mm-hmm. criticism can be really, really hard. I've had to learn a lot, especially being on social media, that language is so important. And like yeah. a lot of the identifying words that we used, yeah. I used the words for somebody that was deaf. I said they were hearing impaired. And she said, actually, I'd prefer to be called deaf. And I was like, thank you for telling. She said it so respectfully. And she was yeah. like, I just want to let you know that community actually would prefer that yeah. you just call us deaf. And I was like, 
thank you. Didn't know that. Mm -hmm. Language change. Yes. So important to kind of help each other learn yes. and not just be like, you really effed up there. Like that was really wrong. Yeah. You weren't honoring that. You're it's an like, awful Rude. person. It's like, I don't no. know everything, but yeah. I'm willing to learn. Willing and to once learn. Once you let me know, I'm happy to change it. And now I'm going to help others. Yes. You know, I've been in scenarios where someone pronouns are they. Yep. And I've been in meetings where that person isn't in the room and other people are using the wrong pronouns and I'll stop them and go, hey, just a reminder that that person is now using the words, hey, that person doesn't need to know. Yeah, yeah, it's not yeah. about me being a hero. It's about yeah. us learning and growing yes. and sharing together. Absolutely. So, so important. I love that you shared that. Okay, mm -hmm. I can't take up your entire day and I'm I already mean, like sitting here. I'm like laying could. back. I'm like, I just would love this. <laughs> Now we All have day. to go. We we'll have to go show face at, a, at an event yeah. today. Maybe I'll go for an <laughs> hour. hour. Yeah, I'll probably is. be there for yes. four because I yes. know myself. Tell everyone where they can find you okay. and how they can kind of dive into all, like you're honestly so great. You're just such a good, breath of fresh air on Instagram because oh God, not only do you. you provide life coaching and you do these speaking gigs, but you actually do it for free a little bit as well yeah. on your Instagram page, which yeah. makes you such a value yeah. to that community. Thank you. And honestly, I just try to be me. And if that's what yeah. is working in resident people, cool. Like obviously awesome. I've never tried to be an influencer or this nope. or that. I don't care about any of that You're stuff. an influencer, but just you're right? an influencer of just different capacities. I'm literally just low-key, super obnoxious and loud. <laughs> and like, that's just me. That's just who I am as a human. I love it. <laughs> so yeah, so on Instagram, coach.carry my website is carrycoach.com and most things you can probably find on LinkedIn and Instagram so amazing carry on Instagram sorry on LinkedIn and I do a lot of talks workshops one-on-one -on -one coaching speaking engagements corporate wellness and I love connecting with people I love yeah. people reaching out and telling me about how they did the unpacking or they yeah. answered the self-care questions or I want to hear about toolbox. it yeah. yeah I love hearing about how people built their toolbox so that's something so cool that if you after this podcast something you're going to try to do let us know I think we yeah, both would love I think to I would that. love that too okay so go check her out that's Coach Carrie that's C-A-R-E-Y Coach Carrie that's Coach.Carrie on Instagram yes she go knows it check her out <laughs> you will not regret I've, this girl's been in my life for three years and has really really changed me and yes. we've done such incredible we've had such a cool opportunity to kind of connect over the years mm -hmm, so really have really glad that we got this opportunity mm -hmm. thank you so much for listening and I'm really looking forward to talking again next week yes well, friends, thank you so much for tuning in and listening to today's episode. For more information on this episode, check out the show notes or find us on Instagram at The Papaya Podcast. And if you loved what you just listened to or know somebody who would, please share it. Simply screenshot today's episode in the podcast app and share it to your Instagram stories. And don't forget to tag us. Last but not least, if you'd like to lend your personal support to the podcast, take a moment and leave a review on iTunes. We would be oh so grateful. Tune in next week for a fresh new episode of the Papaya Podcast, and we'll see you then.